the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. So we're doing a series, uh, Encourage One Another. We're part of the One Another series, and we're thinking about this way of living the Christian life, what it means, what it looks like, how we live well together. So uh, last Monday, uh, I had to go and give blood. Well, I chose to go and give blood. My, my time had come. It's something I've done quite a few times, uh, over 20, yay me. Um, uh, but on this occasion, I was slightly concerned. I was slightly worried because uh, the previous time I'd been turned away. My blood was not good enough. Um, my iron levels were too low. I was quite surprised, but I was you know, just too low. I needed them built up again. I needed strengthening before I could give blood. So, like Popeye, I had my spinach, I had my iron supplements, and uh, fortunately, they had my blood this time around. So that was great. What on earth has that got to do with encouragement? You're thinking to yourselves. Or maybe you've worked it out. Um, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. Firstly, what has been an encouragement to you this week? Just take a moment. We've been in little groups already. Just think about your past week and what has encouraged you, built you up, uh, and just turn to the person next to you. It can be anything. It must be a God thing. It can just be a joy thing in your life. Just share that moment and just encourage each other with things that have encouraged you. Yeah? A minute or two to do that. Then we'll continue with what on earth Popeye's got to do with this. Great. I hope there's been something to share. I hope there's been something positive in your week that has encouraged you somewhere, whatever the week was. Um, so, what has that and Popeye and giving blood got to do with our topic today? Now, I'm mindful going into this next moment that Paul is sitting at the back with his language skills. Um, but I think, looking back at the word encourage, it comes from Latin and French, which means with heart. Core means heart. Um, and so, to encourage means to give heart, to strengthen, to hearten, to lift up, to bolden. Is that okay, Paul? Is that about right? Oh, good. <laughs> official approval. There we go. Thank you. Um, so we're talking about getting strength, and hence the blood and the iron and the, the spinach thing. What gives us strength in the Christian life? What builds our strength up? That's what to encourage one another means. We are engaging in loving one another by building each other up. Jesus said in John chapter 13, uh, verse 35, if you love one another, or by this love, people will know you're my disciples. Yeah? So the way we encourage each other, the way we build each other up, people will look in and go, they really do care about each other, don't they? That's quite different from people who tear each other apart or pull each other down. Let's make sure we're different. So when we say love one another, 1 Corinthians 13, John 13, all these sort of things, we're looking at various aspects in the evening about that. And tonight, it's how we build each other up. We strengthen, we give heart to others. That's what we're looking at this evening. And we're going to be looking in Thessalonians on that at the moment. Of course, lots of encouragement involves a well done, a pat on the back, a, a verbal encouragement, a that was great, thank you for doing that. Or maybe it includes practical things like bringing a meal around or giving somebody a lift or looking out for them when they're, they're struggling a bit. Um, the practical, everyday, ordinary, hands-on encouragement. That's great. As I was researching this, apparently there's actually a golden ratio of positive encouragement to 
um, negative steering of children and in business. It's five to one. You should encourage people five times more than you give them negative feedback. How they got to that figure, I have no idea. You can ask the people who work in the office whether I do that well or not. Um, <laughs> Jenny's making notes already. Um, so, but, and the same for parenting. Five times outweighs that. I don't know why you can put a limit on how much you can encourage each other. That's what struck me about the research, that there was an optimum level rather than sort of keep on doing it. But whatever practical help we offer, let's think about the biblical encouragement that we might also offer. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul tells us to encourage others. Throughout the whole letter, he's been encouraging us. He's been helping us to follow Jesus better. And here, as he concludes the letter, then he is writing a little summary uh, as he leads into his final greeting. So if you've got a Bible, it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 5. If you're in a green Bible from the box over there, I want to go and get one. Then we're on page 1123, 1123. And we're going to read together from verse 5. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. It's great, isn't it? Paul goes, encourage one another. You're already doing it, but do it more. Keep on doing it. Right there in verse 11, encourage one another. And it's not just a, a command on its own. It's part of a sequence of thought. It's part of a structure that he's written. It's part of why he's writing to the church. He's writing to, to the people in Thessalonica because they need encouraging. They need lifting up. He said at the start of the letter how encouraged Paul is by what they do. If you flip back to chapter, chapter 1, Paul sings their praises uh, in chapter 1, um, verse 2. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul sounds pretty encouraged, doesn't he? He's pretty encouraged by what they're doing, but he wants to encourage them. And just as a, as a sidebar, notice three things in that. Work produced by faith, labour prompted by love, Endurance inspired by hope. Keep those three things in your head. Faith, hope and love. Because they come back. What's going on in this church? Well, they are struggling with a question. Paul writes about it in the rest of the letter. They're thinking, people have died in our fellowship. And we're not sure what that means now in terms of Jesus coming back. Because they're quite close to when Jesus first rose from the dead. And they've got questions, and there's questions about end judgment and questions about where people are going to go, and are they asleep, and are they waiting? And they start to have this, we're not sure moment. 
they become faint-hearted. And Paul is writing to strengthen their hearts, to build them up, to help them with this question that maybe is causing them to fall away from faith, to be less confident in their faith, to be less sure about what it is they're sharing. So this little paragraph gives us a structure of what it is, of who these people are, and uh, why they should encourage each other. And if, you're in, if you ever read Paul, he's incredibly logical. He writes in this really structure-tight, quite almost forensic way. Um, and so in this section, you can see there are several linking words, so, then, since, for, and therefore, which give you the hop, skip, and a jump through the passage um, as to what's going on and how it all links together. Um, and actually, it's almost better to read this backwards. So encourage one another, because God didn't appoint us for wrath, but for salvation. So we belong to the day. So make sure we live this way. It's sort of <laughs> He tells it one way, but actually it follows through with those, those passages. So as we go through this, I want to pick out three things that encourage us, that we can use as encouragements for us as followers of Jesus that might strengthen our hearts. This is not just a command to be encouraging, but here are things that are encouraging for us that we can share and encourage others with. These are the three things. God has brought us into the light, verses 5 through to 7. Secondly, God has provided faith, hope and love, verse 8. And third, God has given us a new future. Three very simple points. I'm going to leave them on the screen and we're going to just talk through those few points now. Okay, so the first section, God has brought us into the light, verses 5 through to 7. Christians are people who belong to the light. We belong to the light because Jesus Christ is light. He is the light of the world. He is the one who gives hope. Have you ever walked around the room in darkness? How slowly you go. How many times do you stub your toes? How many times do you trip up? But in light, light becomes hopeful and bright and joyful. Jesus Christ gives us light. Too often we find ourselves in places of darkness, don't we? Maybe we even close our eyes because we can't face ourselves. Maybe we feel that we can't be these people. We're not really children of light. That can't be true of us. It is true. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are children of light. You are saved by his, his salvation, his cross, and you are in his kingdom. That is who we are. We so often need to remind ourselves of that, don't we? Because I suspect... The story we tell ourselves, the lies we hear, tell us we're not really that good. We can't really be those people. The first encouragement tells us, God has made you children of light. And so because of that, we're encouraged to live lives of light. Sober, alert and awake. Not the, light, not the life of darkness, drunkenness, but the, light of, the life of light. That's what comes up in verse 6 and verse 7. Be awake, be sober, be attentive. So, how can we do that? If we are children of the light, which the Bible says we are, and Paul says we are, how do we live this way? I wonder whether it's about just giving more attention, being more present to where we are, whether it's uh, being thoughtful about the culture around us and not letting it just take us with us driving with the current, but actually being willing to be 
clear about where we stand, to be alert, to be attentive. Paul suggests that we avoid the old ways and live the new ways because God has made us new people. And that can be in church. We can be thoughtful and sober. I hope we're sober at church. Um, And awake and alert. But I think also in our daily lives, are we um, walking around in the light of Christ? Do we see the world in his light? Do we see our job and our workplace and our homes and our communities illuminated by the light of Christ? I think that's what it means to live light-filled, sober and alert lives, attentive to what's going on around us, rather than just drifting along. There's many other things that maybe give us that sort of um, numbness that isn't helpful, and we need to shake those off. But let's be attentive to the, the world around us and to others around us, so we can live as people of light. Because God has made us people of light. Secondly, God has provided faith, hope, and love. There's those three things again. They're a favourite little trio that Paul uses again and again. In 1 Corinthians 13, he says it, doesn't he? At the end of the great passage on love, you know, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. You'll see it all over Paul's writing. It's just woven in. And here it is in verse 8, when he says, um, Since we belong to the day, let let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. God has given these things to us. They have to be put on. We didn't make them. God gives us salvation. God gives us faith. God gives us his love. So we are called to be people who are equipped by God to live a God-centered life, one that is strong in faith, hope, and love, one that is... um, giving us life and brings life to others. Notice how Paul includes himself in this. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. He's not standing there high and mighty going, I've got this sorted. This is something we do together. We walk together through this. Whatever the circumstance you're in at the moment, there are others who will walk alongside you. We will encourage each other to put on faith and love as a breastplate and the helmet of salvation. We do that together. We don't do it alone. That's the whole point of one another. We are not isolated people. We are in a community of grace brought by the, by the blood of Jesus to share together. I wonder how often we, in a home group or in a Christian Bible reading context, actually encourage each other with these things. What, what does our conversation in a one-to-one or a home group tend to focus upon our ailments, our illnesses, um, our day-to-day practices? Do we ever take the time to encourage people with the truth of the gospel that says, remember who we are, remember what God has done for us, remember that life is different, can we see it this way? Because God has done this work, not because we're being positive thinkers, but God has done this work. But if you're anything like me, maybe you're not, but I forget really, really quickly, I've got a really short memory for this stuff, I get bogged down by the pressure of the day. I need people to say, look up, Clive. Look up. See the bigger picture. See what God has done. See the light. Have faith. Have hope. See what God has done for you. Live differently in the face of this. I need people to do that with me. As we encourage one another, can we make more time to say those words to each other? Could we be courageous in speaking that way to others? 
Thirdly, God has given us a new future. And I think this is probably the foundation. As I said, it was the uh, the last part of the the little paragraph. It is the foundation of the other two, isn't it? We might think we have a new identity. We may feel that we've got faith, hope and love. But actually, the truth is, we have a new future because of Jesus Christ. This is not just wishful thinking or self-improvement or how to be nice people. Something has happened in history, which we can go back and look at, and we can make a judgment about, and if it is true, everything has changed. If it's not true, let's go home now. If it's true that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, then all who believe in him have a new future, a new hope, we are children of light, we have faith, hope and love. The resurrection is critical. And Paul says that again here. In verse 10, 11, he died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we may live together with him. The past and the future. He died so that we may live. And we live between resurrection and return. We live in this middle ground, but we're defined by both. We're defined by the life that we get in resurrection and the hope we have in Jesus' return. Everything, everything has changed because of it. A friend of mine became a Christian a few years ago uh, at Belmont, and she said to me, I'm talking about the light thing really, but also the new future, everything is different. Everywhere I go, it looks different. It's like the whole, trying to switch the light on. When I go shopping, I find it difficult to know what to buy because I've got to think differently about it. When I drive around, every street looks different, she was saying to me, because suddenly I have a new hope and a new future and I'm a child of light and everything was different for her. It was amazing. I was so encouraged. I was so encouraged. Because when you've been a Christian a long time, sometimes you think, does it really change much? <laughs> We're quite gradual in our change, aren't we, sometimes? But when you hear somebody make that change from darkness to light, what an encouragement that is. What an encouragement to hear that. Don't be afraid to ask people their stories. What's been an encouragement for you? What's been going on for you? What's strengthening your heart? The Thessalonians live between the resurrection, uh, the re- resurrection and the return. We also live there. We are people who are looking forward to a new hope, grounded on the certainty of Christ. This encouragement is something we can all do. This is not something left to the preacher or the leadership team or the home group leader. This is encourage one another. Encourage one another. We're called to live differently because God has done something amazing. This is not a self-improvement program or a be better type thing. What amazing encouragement, Paul says. These things have happened. So encourage each other with this great news. This great news. Pass it on. Strengthen hearts. Build up hearts. So those who are faint-hearted can be strong. And those who, we heard, was it Jenny last week, carry one another's burdens. It's another part of that, isn't it? If somebody is feeling weak, then can we strengthen them? And if they're not strong enough yet, can we carry them a bit and help them until they are strong? Let's not just carry them only. Let's encourage and build them up for future hope. At the beginning of the Thessalonians, Paul writes out writes this phrase at the end of the first chapter. Um, verse 7, And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. 
the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what's happened when we visited you. Isn't that amazing? That church was such an encouragement to Paul that the voice had rung out across the region. I wonder if we were the sort of church that's encouraging each other because of these great truths. That people go, can you hear the message ringing out from the church in Exeter, from Belmont? Not just from our church, but from the church in the city. Are we speaking well of each other? Are we encouraging each other? Do we remind each other of these great truths? What great things God has done? As we share the story and live the life together, are we going to be people who this message of Jesus' hope and resurrection rings out? Can we be a people who build a culture of encouragement because of these good things God has done for us? John Stott wrote this in the commentary I was looking at. The ultimate reason why we should be bold rather than faint-hearted in anticipation of Christ's return lies not in who we are, but who God is, as revealed in the cross. And that's really what I want to just draw our thoughts together, is to go, it's not about us just being encouraging. It's about the anticipation of the great hope that we have. We speak towards that, and we look towards Jesus. So, looking at your week ahead, what's making you faint-hearted? Is it doubt? Is it struggle? Is it sin? Is it pressure? Maybe you're feeling strong-hearted. Brilliant. Who are the people you know who are feeling faint-hearted, who you could encourage? Who you could remind who they are in Christ? You could remind that God has done everything for them. Could you pray with them? On your front line, could you live alert, awake and sober lives? Because God has given you new life. This week I was reading the Bible with somebody and they are learning the Psalms. Uh, they've done two so far. I thought it was ambitious. They set themselves 150. Um, but, you know, we'll see how we go. But they're whole, and he said to me, it's just so good to be able to draw upon God's word in my daily routines. Um, and to, it, just, it was transform, transforming of his workplace. When I'm in difficult situations, I can draw upon that phrase, that idea, what we just talked about. So let's take this opportunity, maybe to take a quiet moment, and then we're going to sing a closing song. Um, to think about this week, something you're faint-hearted about maybe, or someone you know who is faint-hearted. Pray for an opportunity to encourage them and to see these truths lived out in their lives. I'm going to put those three on the screen again if you want to see them.